The following is message number one of a Southeast Blending Conference held in Jacksonville, Florida on the evening of September 2nd, 2011. The title of the message is Living in the Church as the House of God, Part 1, Knowing God as the Located God and as the God of the House of God. And the speaker is Brother Ron Kengis. Friday night, at the start of a longer weekend, a weekend devoted to a conference, we can have a gentle and quiet beginning to something um, we believe quite glorious. And many of the saints are traveling, checking in. May the Lord cover everything and give us the grace and mercy that we need to pursue him in one spirit and with one soul. In the recent summer training, a crystallization study of the Psalms, uh, part one, message two was devoted to Psalm two. And Psalm 2 is a revelation of our wonderful Christ in God's economy. The nations rage against God in Christ. They rebel against God in Christ. Nevertheless, Christ is God's anointed. God has installed him as king on Mount Zion. He is the one who will inherit all the nations, possess the entire earth. And the wise thing we should do is to kiss the sun, Amen. to shamelessly express our love and affection for him. Last weekend at a conference held in Dublin, Ireland, uh, the one message on Psalm 2 was expanded into five messages. And in principle, we will do the same this weekend with message 8 from the summer training, which was on the house and the city, the church as the house of God, the temple, and the church as the city of God, the kingdom. And that one message will now be expanded into six messages. Under the general subject, living in the church as the house of God and being built up in the church as the city of God. So I choose to emphasize living in relation to the house, even though the house requires building. And I emphasize building in relation to the city, even though living in the city, the kingdom, is by definition a matter of our daily living. But there's a particular emphasis on living in the church 
as the house of God. Then with message four, we will begin to make a very great turn. Whether we will complete the turn this weekend remains to be seen. May the Lord carry out what he intends to do in these three days. There's a turn to the church in reality, being the city of God, being the kingdom of God. And if you either attended in one way or another uh, the summer training or were able to listen into the messages somehow, you might realize there was a very particular burden on the church being strengthened and enlarged to be the kingdom. There is a loving concern uh, in my heart for all of us from that blessed species known as church kid who went to children's meeting then to young people's conferences to those recently saved to those who've been in their recovery for decades to those who have recently joined us in the divine stream I'd like to point out this general concern, and the concern rests on a very positive longing. And the concern is that we may not realize where we are. We might be so conditioned by both the natural concept in the physical realm and the religious notions from Christianity as a religion, as applied to the church, that we may not realize where we are. And not realizing where we are has tremendous consequences. One way among the many ways that parents may train their little children to behave in a suitable manner is to make them conscious of where they are in any given situation. You're in someone's home. You're in a restaurant. You're on an airplane. You're in the meeting hall. And as little ones develop, they realize there's a way of being that really matches and even is determined by where we are. When the word church is used, the understanding in practice may be limited to the accurate notion, although it's elementary, that the church is an assembly. The church is the meeting. 
And I'm in the church because I come to meetings. And by being in the meetings, I'm in the church. This is correct. The Greek word for church, ekklesia, is from the verb kaleo, to call out, and ek meaning out of. That is correct. But the first word in the general subject is living. Living. If I moved to Florida and was now one living in Florida, excuse me for speaking something simple, does that mean I, um, I have breakfast here? Or um, I go to the dentist here? Living is all-inclusive. Living is the totality of our existence with everything. So this little word living deserves attention. To attend a meeting, to be in a meeting, it's hard to say that that is living. That's an aspect of your living. I say again, living is the totality of our existence with everything. If a brother does not realize this, <clears throat> either he doesn't or he doesn't want to, then in the meeting or with saints, he and also she, it applies to both, may feel I'm in the church. And when you're in the church with the saints, for the most part, we're exercised in the way we express ourselves. But then when that brother or sister gets home, it's another story. Now he's not in the church. He's in his house. Or she's in her space in the house. So she's not living. He is not living in the church. There's no church now. The church is a segregated part of one's life. And one can say, I'm in the church. And you are. You assemble. You serve. But do you realize that the church is the house of God? Of God. And for the church to be the house of God is equal to the church being the household of God. So it's both a place, spiritually speaking, and a person. When Jacob 
who was not even at the stage of being dealt with. He was really at the beginning. When he had that dream that we've all read about and saw the ladder on the earth reaching up into heaven, angels ascending and descending, he woke up and did he say, huh, this is the house of God. He was amazed. He was afraid. He was stunned. He was shocked. He was mortified. How dreadful is this place? This is none other than the house of God. Does anyone have this reaction anymore? Is coming to a gathering of the saints, and I mean no disrespect, the same as someone coming to a denominational activity. Where is the consciousness that we have been born into a household? And we may not be in meetings that much of the time, but we are in the family all the time. When those of you who have little ones or even teenagers, when you are considerably older and your sons and daughters are adults, and they're pursuing their own course as is normal, you will realize the family never departs from your being. You will be more exercised than ever over them, whether they're physically present or not. You are part of something organic. You are part of a corporate unit in life and you live there all the time i'm in stockholm several weeks ago i get a critical text message from a member of my family and my whole being in spirit must be exercised for days and days We have been born of God the Spirit into God's household, which is his house. And the normal thing is to live here. To have our whole being here. But this cannot happen. It will not happen. And it does not happen, ever, unless we are conscious of this fact. If I am not conscious of this, 
Then when I go into my rented house in Anaheim, I lapse into a certain way of living. And I'm just there. As if there's no God, no Christ, no spirit, no divine life, no church, no body of Christ. But now I need to come to a meeting. Let me get ready for the meeting. And I attend the meeting. But this isn't living, is it? I don't say it's false. It's not necessarily false. It's just not living. We read the psalm. One thing have I desired of Jehovah, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of Jehovah all the days of my life. Do you think this means he would live in the temple? That he would get a cot and have uh, the rudiments of what he needed and he would stay there? It's hard to believe that that is the real spiritual sense. He desired this. And we'll see before too long. He realized that certain things are experienced of God in the house that are not experienced anywhere else. To behold the beauty of the Lord. I just would like to gaze at him. Yes, God is omnipresent. He is universal. But he's also located specifically in his economy. And his glory really is not in the moon. It's not on Pluto, which has been demoted from planet status. I don't know what an ex-planet is called. The glory of the Lord is not in St. Peter's Cathedral. It's in the house. And then the psalmist said, I want to inquire. I, I need to ask him some things. I need direction for my life. My life is full of complications and perplexity. I'd like to ask him. Lord, how shall I go on in this matter? I got a text. The sister said, I just want you to know I have to have two back surgeries. I have six bulging discs and then something called stenosis. But she was in God when she wrote that. Then she wrote again, saying, I asked the Lord to heal me for the church, for his body. Well, she's inquiring. How do I take care 
of my physical situation. Even what is the reason for this situation? Some of us never ask. I don't mean we ask in the way of murmuring. We may not realize there are no accidents. We live under the incredible sovereign arrangement of our loving Father. And you just bought a new Beamer and someone rear-ended you. Once you have your initial reaction, you might sit before the Lord and say, is there a reason for this? This is to inquire. So the first three messages are on living in the church as the house of God. And shortly, I really don't know what shortly will be, we'll go through the outline, then there'll be much time for you to share. I require of you, uh, not as a cross-examiner, Outwardly, at least not right away. Have you been baptized? Can you remember when you were genuinely and authentically baptized? We're not Baptists, but by baptize, I mean we immerse you in water. Every part of you gets wet. Your lovely hair is temporarily not so lovely. And while that happens, and you might have been calling on the name of the Lord, and when you were raised up from the water, there was a strong spiritual reaction. Have you been baptized? Since you've been baptized, my gentle inquiry, do you know what happened? Do you know where you are now that you have been baptized? Now, it would be a felony if we baptized someone in water and then left them there. That certainly would be a crime. That we cannot stay in that physical situation more than seconds. Then the physical part is over. But that visible part, that physical part, is a sign of something spiritual and divine. When you were baptized, immersed in water, 
you were buried. You were baptized into Christ and into the death of Christ. Then when you were raised from the that signifies you were transferred into another person. That baptism with death and burial and resurrection was a transfer out of Adam into Christ. And Christ is the embodiment of the triune God. Therefore you were baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Paul also says, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now I have a reason in spirit for speaking along this line. And the reason, insofar as I understand it myself, is twofold. One is that we need to realize that we are in the triune God. This is what happened when we were baptized. We may not feel it. We may not think about it. We may not really believe it. We may not live according to it. But that is where we were put. The Lord, with all of his authority, commands us to disciple the nations and immerse them into the triune God, believing that in doing so, we are putting them into the triune God. Pictures, even for the smartest among you, are sometimes necessary. So consider Joshua, the book, Israel's crossing the Jordan, and 12 stones are placed in the bottom of the river, signifying the whole nation was buried there. And 12 other stones were taken and put into the land, signifying resurrection. In the sight of God, in the sight of the angels, obedient and rebellious, in the sight of the demons, I bear witness. I am in the triune God. Amen. And with the spiritual eyes, you look, there's a stone with my name on it in the riverbed of Jordan.
the church, especially as the house of God, is a group of people who are immersed in the triune God. In Matthew 16, the Lord said, I will build my church. Then he indicated that the church is the kingdom. Then significantly, when he in resurrection commissioned the apostles, he said, you disciple the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then in Mark 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Then what happened in Acts chapter 2? Peter announces the gospel in the body, meaning the body of Christ. Thousands are convicted. They said, what should we do? He said, repent and be baptized. And their baptism was their escape from that evil generation and their entrance into the church. They believed, they repented, they were baptized, then they met with the church. The church is a group of believers who are in the triune God. Probably the first epistle Paul wrote was 1 Thessalonians. He addressed it to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so clear. The way into the church, especially as the house and kingdom of God, is through himself. To be immersed in him, to receive him in Christ into you, then to realize I'm in another realm. I'm not in Adam. I've been separated from this crooked and perverted generation. I'm in, in, I'm in another sphere. I'm a child of God. The Spirit witnesses with my spirit. I'm a child of God. I'm part of the household of God. Now this is a fact, and this is a reality. Now let me add this. Since this is a fact, you will never be at peace, and you will never have rest, and you will never have genuine joy if you live in a way that contradicts your own being. You can suppress the inner conflict for a while. But you have been born of God. You were baptized. 
There wasn't a ritual. You've been transferred. You are in the body of Christ. You've been born of God. You're part of the household of God. Of course, we're really complicated now because we have our created human life. We have the flesh of sin. We have the body of death. We are really complicated. So it's not hard to live a life of contradiction. That we're not in meetings now. We're not with saints now. We're in our own turf. So easy. But check with your being. No peace. No rest. No flow. No joy. No light. No life. No vitality. No God. No Christ. No spirit experientially. All day long, I have devoted myself to this one thing. I don't know why. I had to go back to Matthew 28, 19 and read the footnotes for the first time. And I passed on some of my appreciation to a brother, a companion, the answer back was, wow. You read those notes. Then the other reason for mentioning this now, I admit, is mysterious. It's mysterious to me. You'll understand it because the words will be simple. But there's a mystery in the simplicity. The meetings of this conference and the messages to be released in this conference are coming forth from within the being of the triune God. Some of us prayed, we believe the prayer was of God, that this conference would be held in the triune God, Amen. into whose name we have been immersed. Now, my main responsibility, therefore, and it's weighty, and I'm accountable to the Lord, but His grace is sufficient, and the prayer of the saints is prevailing, then I need to be exercised in spirit to live according to where I am and to speak out from here something I need to learn and the extent to which you will be intrinsically supplied will depend on where you are as the word is coming forth. 
This is the, the church of the Jacksonvillians in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Church in Athens, Georgia. Do you realize that the whole church of the Athenians is in the triune God? Has it ever really occurred to you? That the church life is a life lived based on baptism with termination and transfer and entering into another realm. Usually, for most of us, the seeing of spiritual things is gradual. So don't beat up on yourself thinking everyone else is getting blinding Damascus Road visions and revelations and I just see an itty bit at a time. No one is getting blinding revelations all at once. But if we could make progress this weekend, if we could realize something concerning the church as the house of God and the kingdom of God, and that we are living in this house, and we are being built up as this kingdom, and that this is taking place because we have been united, mingled, and incorporated with the triune God in Christ. Amen. Certain things will happen. One is, we'll enjoy the Lord a great deal more. Another thing is, our growth in life with the salvation in life will begin to cease to be abnormally slow. And we will touch God. And we will know God in a way we've not known him until now. Now we can go through the outline in about 35 or so minutes, I think. Knowing God as the located God, and as the God of the house of God. If you really wanted someone to know you, and you were just open to this, and you had the confidence for this, don't you think they would have to live with you? They would have to know you in your house. Because that's the person, the real person. To know God is to know him in his house. 
we can have some basic knowing of him apart from the church life. We would never deny the genuine knowing of the Lord that all the seeking believers have. We would never demean that. We respect that. But the fact remains, and we'll see this with Jacob, there's a place where God reveals himself. And it's not to isolated individuals. So we need to know God as the located God. Uh, any problems with this expression? Located God? God as God is omnipresent. So he's everywhere. If you could zip over to that demoted planet Pluto and you were there, you could contact God. But the Bible clearly reveals, both in type and in revelation, that this universal God is pleased to localize himself. He told the people of Israel, build a tabernacle. They did. Then the glory of God filled the tabernacle. It wasn't everywhere. Structure. And that tabernacle is a type of Christ and of the church as the enlarged Christ. So it would be useless to try to argue against the fact of a located God by saying he's everywhere. I don't have to be in any particular place to know him. This is your spent 10 minutes in the glory of God, in the holy of holies, you would repent of such a stupid thought. Now you know. Now you're here. Now you behold his glory. Now you hear him speak from between the cherubim. You would never say, it doesn't matter. God never localizes himself. Did he not locate himself? The priests were in the temple, burning incense, offering the sacrifices. God was in Bethany, in the house of Martha and Mary. Then we need to know God as the God of the house of God. This means that in our experience, he wants us to know him, not only as the God in the house, but the God of the house. When this happens, You just enter another universe, another dimension. 
you enter into the vastness of the triune God in the body of Christ. And you discover he's all-sufficient. He truly is El Shaddai. You realize you have everything you need just because you are here and you set up an altar here. And then I'm really giving you a summary of the outline. Then eventually you realize the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the body, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. These are four in one, not in the Godhead, but in God's economy. The triune God has now become our all. And we are one with him, mingled with him, incorporated with him to be a part of the four-in-one organic entity, which is the church. And when we live here, we live in the church as the house of God. And when we live in the church as the house of God, we live here in the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and the body. This is the church. The church is an assembly. The church must have its physical aspect. We're still in our physical body. We're in space and time. We need to come together. We need to serve together. How can there be the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ if there are no Thessalonians? And the Thessalonians, they ain't no Ephesians. They're Thessalonians. So just as our, our body is our practicality, we must have the practical, physical aspect of the church. But this aspect of the church alone will never bring the Lord back. It will never satisfy his heart. He needs a body. He needs the new man. Especially, he needs the bride, the counterpart, and none of this is physical. None of this is material. If up until tonight, your church life has only been the assembly, my heart will continue to ache for you. The assembly one of many activities, precious, enjoyable for the most part, 
but you don't know where you are. You may not realize you are in the triune God in virtue of your baptism. I don't say this, that you would get an impulse to want to be baptized again. I say this, that God would shine forth and show us the reality of our baptism. We are in the triune God. We are in the body of Christ. And the genuine church is the living of a group of people in the triune God. They're in a locality. They need to live normal, practical human lives. They have marriages. They have families. They have jobs. They go through all the human things. There's no, no escape from that, but in their being, they are simultaneously in another realm. And their heart is here. Their being is here. Their prayer is here. Their seeking is here. Their serving is here. So to help us begin to take a step. Let me read through the outline with all of this as the basis. God desires to be one with his chosen people. No doubt, don't doubt that you're chosen. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, that's a sign you were chosen in eternity past. God's main purpose is to make himself one with man and to make man one with him. It's been a year since we were together in Jacksonville. Do you have the sense, and you may, that now, one year later, you are more one with God than you were a year ago. I believe many of us can say this. We're not rapture ready yet. It's not likely we'll be transfigured before the end of the conference. But we can say, during the last year, God has been seeking to make himself one with me and to make me one with him. That involves removing all barriers. That involves removing all distance. That involves an ever fuller opening. To let him make himself one with you. This happened to Paul to the extent we know from 1 Corinthians 7 that when he had no revelation from the Lord but had to respond to a question, he could only give his opinion. And his thought was God's thought. That's where you're headed. 
God's feeling will be yours. Your reaction will be God's. The central line of God's economy is to make God and man, man and God, one entity. With the two having one living by one life with one nature. A real joy to me as a serving brother was to watch the development of a particular romance among us. I won't go into the background, especially the intuitive part of the background, but here is Joyce, and here is Brian, and now something is happening that there's this feeling, and then there's fellowship, then there's more fellowship, then there's engagement, and six days ago, they got married to live together as one. That's a beautiful thing. And this is what the Lord is doing in all of his believers. Most don't realize it, but eventually he'll get through in us all. In his incarnation, Christ brought God into man. And in his resurrection, he brought man into God. By this, he accomplished the mingling of God and man into one. He, this is the fact of history. But every day, the Lord seeks to apply his incarnation to your being to bring himself into you by feeding you, by watering you, by shepherding you, by shining That's the first step. Then he wants to bring you into God. That is resurrection. And that requires all kinds of things. All the death experiences to bring us into resurrection. And this process will continue until the end of the kingdom age, at which time all of God's chosen and redeemed people will be absolutely one with him in their whole being. Overcomers are those who allow God to do this during their lifetime. Every day, they turn their heart to the Lord, open to the Lord, receive his dispensing, and then learn to be one with the Lord in the midst of every kind of situation, which is the only thing we can do in our situation. Because all things happen. And the goal is to bring us into resurrection experientially. 
until our whole being, with all of our ability, is resurrected. Eventually, the oneness between God and his chosen people will be completed, and they will be consummated to be fully one with God, to become the constituents of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. So this is the first section. God's desire. Now, I'm speaking humanly now. Don't you love certain ones? Your spouse? You have a proper love for persons? When you love someone, the heart's desire of that matters to you. God has a desire in his heart. The more we love him and open to him, the more we touch that desire to make himself one with us. And the time will come, we don't know the Lord's schedule for our respective journeys. The time will come when the Lord will fully complete this. If you only live the church life as an assembly, you won't have that much of an inner life. Everything is outward. And you can do the outward things to a large extent by your natural life. But as we enter into the church as the house of God, realizing we are in God, spontaneously our inner being is touched. And we realize the Lord wants access to our inner being, that he may mingle himself with us. And then we find ourselves in this seemingly unending process. Don't shed any tears of pity and don't worry. But now, pressure from every side, from every side, every direction, all the time. Because our God is working to bring us into himself experientially, even as he's working to bring himself into us. And we can't live in the church as the house of God without this happening in our being. There's no KGB, there's no CIA, but those who live in God and in the house of God will sense where your being is. You don't know they sense it. Because you can't sense what they do. And when they sense this, they don't condemn you. They don't judge you. They may pray for you. They may wash your feet. They may give you food. 
or they may just bear you in anguish because you don't know what you are or where you are, yet you're in the church. But that's part of the process. And by the grace of God, we're one with him for this. How can we just be concerned with being spiritual ourselves? How can we not embrace all the children of God and long for their perfecting and their maturation? God is universal and omnipresent, yet he is a located God. God is located in his house, his dwelling place. We read the verse, O Jehovah, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory abides. Christ is God's location. Christ is the tabernacle of God and the temple of God. Christ has been enlarged and the enlarged Christ is the church as God's enlarged temple his dwelling place. The new Jerusalem will be God's redeemed people as the tabernacle to God for him to enjoy them and the redeeming God as the temple to God's redeemed people will be is for, God, for them to enjoy God. So the new Jerusalem will be such a mutual dwelling place. God is located in three persons, in Christ, in the church as a corporate person, and in the New Jerusalem as a corporate person. And in these three persons, we can enjoy the located God. So when we are in Christ, by being in our spirit, we enjoy God located in Christ. When we are really in the church, not merely as a gathering, but as a corporate person, our enjoyment is magnified. One Saturday morning, there was a prayer and service meeting in the church in Los Angeles. I had only been there a few weeks. The meeting started at 8. I had to leave at 8.05. Because so much light came on me and into me related to clearing up things, clearing the past. Then so much light came on matters God wanted me to confess that I might enjoy him in the fellowship of life. I didn't get this light in Princeton Seminary. I didn't get it in the Finnish Apostolic Lutheran Church where I was confirmed at the age of 14 as an unbeliever. I didn't get it in the United Presbyterian Church, but I got it in the house. Amen. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. God is light. 
To dwell in the house of God is to dwell in the house of light, in your light. They shall see light. We're now in September. Two-thirds of the year have passed. How many of the days of this year have been days of light? To be in the light, to see light. The enjoyment of Christ leads us to the enjoyment of God in the house of God. So when we meet dear and precious fellow believers, we, and I say as we do not make the church an issue. We do not make the ground of the church an issue. We don't hide what we are. We don't hide what we practice. We're in the light. Our first concern is that the believers would enjoy Christ. That you would love him, you would open to him. This enjoyment creates in you a hunger and a thirst for something more. And that's to enjoy God in the house of God the church for which the Lord died. Next, let us rise up and go up to Bethel, that I may make an altar there. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. This is David's, uh, Jacob's word to his family after God had spoken to him. He received the direction from God. He was a proper head in the family. Let us go up to Bethel. I will make an altar there. Why do we have to go to Bethel? You built an altar in Shechem. God has directed me to Bethel. And for me and my house... We are going to Bethel. And what you will do there will be your decision. But I will build an altar. He built an altar there and caused, called the place El Bethel. In Genesis 35, there is a crucial and radical turn from the individual experience of God to the corporate experience of God, the experience of God as the God of Bethel, the God of the house of God. This is God as the constituent of the house. Now you are ready for another stage. Your being has been delivered from individualism and independence. Now you can enter into the body as a reality and you discover another God. By another God, I mean God experienced in a way you have never known. There's only one God, but our experience of him differs. In Genesis 35, 7, we have a new divine title, El Bethel, God of the house of God. Before this chapter, 
God was the God of individuals. Here he is no longer only the God of individuals, but as El Bethel, the God of a corporate body, the God of the house of God. There it is, Genesis 35. But one must be in Bethel with the God of the house of God in order to understand Genesis 35. Bethel signifies the corporate life, which is the body of Christ. Thus, in calling God the God of Bethel, Jacob advanced from the individual experience to the corporate experience. I got a text not long before the meeting. I don't even know the person. The text said, we sisters are praying. They're in the house praying. Their prayers release the bountiful supply of the God of the house. I'm in the house. I can't live without their prayers. They know the house needs the Lord speaking. Jacob advanced from the individual experience to the corporate experience. Now, there is no threatening here. God's goal is the new Jerusalem, which is a corporate person. So all the believers must advance. A small number will advance during their lifetime. The vast majority will not, mainly because... They were never taught properly. They will be able to say honestly, I never knew. I was told I would die and go to my place in heaven. I was taught to pray for prosperity. I was taught to be busy in work. I never heard. And their discipline will be less, according to Luke 12. But many of us will not be able to say, Lord, I didn't know. I didn't know I needed to advance. Then the Lord might ask, then why didn't you? Then you might have to say, I was not willing to pay the price. I never built this kind of altar. I was not willing to lose my soul life. I wanted to have two kinds of lives in the church and in the world. I wanted to serve God and mammon, even though you said it's impossible. I lived a life of mixture and I trained my children to do the same and they surpassed me. So I have no one to blame. Lord, you don't have to remind me how many messages I heard, how many conferences I was in. I realize I can't reign with you now. 
So the Lord will use another period of time because he has a goal. He is burdened for us. He is for us. He's concerned for us that we would advance, not spend our whole life under Laban until we die, but that we go on and eventually we come into the church the second time. The first time is when Jacob saw the vision. He said, this is Bethel. The second time was when he touched the reality. The altar Jacob built at Shechem was called El Elohe Israel. By the name of God as related to an individual. This is not wrong. This is not bad. You need to be in first grade before you're in sixth grade. Don't, don't, don't take the concept that there shouldn't be this kind of altar. The altar Jacob built at Bethel was called El Bethel, the name of God as related to a corporate body. The altar at Shechem is an individual altar, but the altar at Bethel is a corporate altar, the altar for the house of God. On the one hand, I appreciate public consecrations. On the other hand, I admonish the trainees. I don't have that much confidence in anything outward that is not supported by inward transactions between you and the Lord. We've, we've had one Ananias and Sapphira in the history of the church. We don't need another counterfeit. And so many, they say it's a consecration. They're really promising to do something that they have set. I consecrate to read all the life studies in two years. But you won't give yourself to the Lord for his house. So you want us to give you a medal? Because you set the record for reading all the life studies? We don't have any medals to give. Who will simply set up an altar and say, Lord, here I present myself to you for the house. This is not just for me alone. This is for your house. I will know you as the God of the house. Well, we're not going to have the piano play just as I am and tug on anyone's heartstrings to come to the microphone. I just look to the Lord that he would shine forth in his house and that in a very personal way, one by one, we would advance. We're not all in the same place. We're not in a movement. We're not a herd. We're a flock. 
and the sheep are in different stages. We're not here conforming to some kind of outward standard. The life in the house of God is deeply and profoundly personal. And everyone matters. Because everyone matters, that's why the Father's heart will not be fully satisfied until all of his children are home in the place prepared for them in the house of God by the Son of God. The all-sufficient God is revealed for the building of Bethel. Only at Bethel is it possible for us to realize the all-sufficiency of our God, the purpose of God's revealing himself as the all-sufficient one is for his building. The all-sufficient God is for God's building. Now you are here, you are living here, you aspire to live here. Now you touch the all-sufficiency. Then that word will be spoken to you someday. My grace is sufficient for you. We don't know what's coming, Brother Paul. But I assure you, his grace is sufficient. It has been sufficient your whole life until now. Now you're in the house of God with the all-sufficient God. What a way to end your course as an older person. With your last breaths to bear witness. God is all-sufficient in the house. Press on to Bethel. An altar there. We cannot experience the all-sufficient God in an individualistic way. In order to experience the all-sufficient God, we must be in Bethel in the church life. If you don't agree, we won't argue. Not because we have no skill. We might have a little skill, but it's vain. God did not argue with Saul of Tarsus, who was a genius. He didn't send a super genius to outwit the genius. God just said, I'll shine on him. I'll blind him with light. If you have light, you will realize it makes a difference whether or not you're in the house of God, in your being. God's all-sufficiency requires the body. We need the house, the building, in order to experience this aspect of him. Paul said, I know this will turn to my salvation. Through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit, of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, this will turn to my salvation because I have the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He realized there must be your petition. That's why it's so serious for Euodius and Syntyche to be at odds. Because this affects the prayer 
And the weakness of the prayer diminishes the supply. Because Paul is in the body. And the Spirit flows on the body to him. And the Spirit flows through the saints' prayers. So I do not exaggerate and I do not dramatize. I live because saints pray. I labor, I travel until now because saints, especially sisters, pray in the house. And that releases the all-sufficiency of God. Then we reach the highest point to finish. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, and the Church are four in one. Not in the Godhead. The Church does not enter the Godhead to be the fourth and to be worshipped. That's heresy. That's blasphemy. We have never taught this. We will never teach this. But in God's economy, the three of the divine trinity are mingled with the body as one. That looks like three plus one equals four. Even a real intrinsic four, and the four are so mingled, they are one yet four. Ultimately, the church is a group of people who are in union with the triune God and mingled with the triune God. So we're here to be ultimately the church. The Father is embodied in the Son. The Son is realized as the Spirit. And they are all in us. Amazing. Right now, the triune God is in us. Amen. Astounding. God and man are united, mingled, and incorporated. Incorporated means the persons are living in each other. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one and abide in us. Therefore, we are four in one, a divine and human constitution, because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all one with the body of Christ. We may say that the triune God is now the, quote, four in one God. These four are the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and the body. I believe the Lord has caused us to lift up our eyes. To live here is to live in the church as the house of God. And when we live here, we know God as the located God. We know God as the God of the house. This is the church the Lord desires. This is the church the Lord needs. He is here not as a judge to condemn us. He is here as a physician to heal us, as a shepherd to feed us and guide us. So let's respond to him by taking a minute or two to pray with someone sitting nearby. If you've never done this before and you feel awkward, then just sit there and let many others pray. And after a minute or two, we'll have the microphones and we hope that a good number will come and speak for about a minute. Say something according to what touched you, what you saw, what impressed you, what's in you.
concerning living in the church as the house of God. So let's pray and then we'll prophesy.